for so very long, it's been... Go on, George. Tell how it's gonna be. But in the end, the commission only said... We figured it 17 different ways. And every time we figured it, it was no good. Because no matter how we figured it... But no matter how you figure it out, I still don't get as much as anybody else. Somebody don't like the way we figured it. So now, there's only one way to figure it. And that is every man for himself. When this is the end. It's the end of the world. It's the end of the world as we know it. Or is it now? As a new year hits, through it all, Beaver Nation moves ahead with resiliency and hope. Sun's up, mm-hmm. Looks okay. The world survives into another day. And the way forward goes through, as it must, The Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. The number of times I heard these guys' voices over and over and over. Still can't find it. Ah, can't find it? We can help. This here is 1240. 1240. It's always been 1240. My client says it's 1240. Yeah, plus 93.7 FM and streaming live at KEJOAM.com and on the KEJO app. It's The Joe Beaver Show. It is the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome into the program. I got to hit a button here. There we go. Turn that on. Turn that on. All right, we're good to go. Mike, uh, I think got caught behind a train and we'll be here. Mike and I both, and I, I don't know if this is true in all of radio, but we play the margins. That's what my wife said. I never really knew that term or or thought about it in that respect, but we play the margins. It's because when we're working on something, we don't want to let it go. And uh, there's always that next story you can get, that next story, that next story, until it bumps up right at the top, at the, at the edge. I, I record news for KRKT uh, FM, and it plays in the noon hour. And then there, there's another one that plays in the evening time. And I'm recording. I, I always i am working on stuff for this show and, and, and putting things together or doing some other administrative duties. And it's like every single day, I won't start to record that news until about 11.50, or or sorry, 10.50, 10 minutes before this show. Well, every time I'm I'm pushing the margin to get in here and get things started, but it always works out. And uh, the only time you, it's, 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 it's bad to play the margins when there's trains involved, because when you play the margins, you're, you're going right up against it. It has to be perfect. If anything goes wrong. And this is true in all of life, I suppose. If anything goes wrong, then you're late. <laughs> and then you're, and you just, it, it, and I know that the world of non white knuckling it, you know, when you're driving somewhere and you're late and you're white knuckling it, I know what it's like to not have to do that and be early. And it's just, it's, uh, it's so much easier. All right, let's get into things. We have uh, open phone lines and open text lines, but we also have two wonderful guests coming up today. Cobb Bjornstad from, uh, uh, the uh, the collective is going to join us at 11:30, and if you have any questions, now is the time to get them coming through on the uh, University Honda text line, which is five four five four one four nine seven five three five six. Kyle will will answer those questions, and uh, I've got a few. I think we all have. I think Michael uh, again playing the margins and, and getting <laughs> yes, behind trains. Yes, I I appreciate that. And it wasn't a train; it was conversing with Kyle himself. Oh, good, good. But in a situation where I couldn't. 
I had to finish the conversation and I know. all of that, and and so that makes me a minute or two late. But it I knew to all of us. you would cover. Oh yeah, and oh, I yeah. knew we'd be okay with Michael retired twelve thirty, and just got confirmation. Did TJ tell you? No. Oh yeah, yeah. Murph, I forgot about that. Murph is tomorrow. Pat Murphy tomorrow twelve oh five. The manager of the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers. We don't get too many sitting managers in the major <laughs> leagues. The only no, not not without connections. But we, because of his relationship and admiration for Pat Casey. When the request came through, the Brewers people, yeah, 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 weird request from out in Oregon. For, you know, yeah, yeah, small town yeah. Oregon. Yeah, what do you, you know, why are they even, uh, it says something here about Pat Casey. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, yeah. I can only imagine that Murph, who is a manager of a major league baseball team, says yes to that request out of the mid Valley. So and, and his Murphy handlers too. probably still looking yeah, at, uh, yeah, with what? the sconce, like, yeah. oh, 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 yeah. oh, Pat Casey, what about it? <laughs> so anyway, he's tomorrow. So yeah. living on the margins, Bjorn Stan. No, that's yeah. great. Kyle will join us and now get your questions yeah. in. I think the main question is, and maybe yes. there are derivatives of this question, but the main question is this. What do you? What do these these players do for a million dollars? If we hear about <laughs> a million and a quarter is your, the right. average going right now for a quarterback, the high end quarterbacks for the high end programs. All right, okay. So to me, image uh, name, image, and likeness stems from players are doing their thing for decades in college football. Decades and decades they're doing their thing, and then if someone sells a jersey with their name on it, which they used to, they didn't get anything out of the deal. So now, because their name is on it, their image, their likeness, if a photograph is on a T-shirt or whatever, so now then they pass that rule, okay, well, you can get paid for that. Well, how does that jump in the three years or whatever it's been since we did this from that to telling a guy, in, we'll give you a million dollars to bear our quarterback? <laughs> is he doing a million dollars worth of uh, handshakes yeah. Or, yeah. or appearances? See, that's where it's like, okay, where's the slippery slope on that? And... That's the question I have. The overall question of what was uh, it meant to do, right? And right. is it doing what it's because meant to no do? one in I don't think really anyone, even though we didn't have time to explore this yesterday with our guests, Pat Casey himself, as you said, I heard you this morning with Pat, too rich of a life, too many life experiences for us in twenty twenty two minutes or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean you could choose one path of direction with him, maybe even the the recruits. And, you know, what did it mean to get Jacoby out of Madras in yeah, the program? Uh, you know, and hour, there he goes. Right, right. And then Dallas and Jonah and Gundy and some of that special early group, Gippy and Andy Jenkins and yeah, Mitch. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, what about Adley and his impact on the program? There's a whole show. <laughs> right, right. Because he's such a fascinating uh, person. Yeah, Pat. So we we just barely touched on different things here and there. But I heard him on with Canzano, and Pat was talking more about a big thing theme that he hit with John that he touched on briefly with us was you don't want to give something to somebody just because or until they've earned it. I think part of your question here is how does one is what's going on? And Kyle will address this from his own time and the space, he does know, based on conversations and research, and that there is this in the transfer portal world and even before the portal opens. I mean, Jonathan told me himself a couple of weeks ago that you know, he has players coming into his office. This was before the season ended, saying things like, Coach, I'm hearing from X program, and they're offering me this. Which is illegal. It's tampering. It's illegal. It's immoral. It's... Mm-hmm. 
Everything you like to do is either illegal, <laughs> immoral, or fattening. A W.C. Fields mo. <laughs> Everything it's, it's you like true. to do. Yeah. Now, it, it, it was be- terrible. So there, there might even be some people who would say, well, to do business in the world, you would got to get down and dirty. That's what it is. That's how, what it takes. That's, Kyle Bjornstad will join us at 1130 and say, no, that isn't how we're doing it here. That may be the way some people are doing it. We're doing it the Oregon State way and the right way, and we're going to build this thing out. And he'll explain the philosophy of how nil, as you said, if somebody's going to get a certain amount of money, it's not because Kyle Bjornstad has said to somebody in a portal, you come to Oregon State and I will get you 300000 No, mm-hmm. there's none of that going on. It's once you get here and sign or into the program, these are some things that we have done and, and can do and are available to our student-athletes. And there is well-defined criteria that will be met, the creation, execution, and then the payment to the student-athlete who has benefited from Oregon State's name, image, and likeness program, so to speak. But it's not, nor can it be, nor will we use it to induce no. Joe Jones to come But other here. schools are. We're just throwing out these wild figures, and many of them, in many cases, are wild and reckless and irresponsible with no payment at the back end when push comes to shove. So, with that, yes. we have some movement. Anthony Hankerson was a, uh, a recent portal get for Oregon State. Yes. Running back transfer from Colorado, and he's very good. Anthony Hankerson, remember that name? We've got all the details I remember here. Hankerson from last year, yes. Okay. What What do you mean? He's coming, yes. supposedly coming here? No, it's official. He's coming to Oregon State. Is that okay? Yeah, I'd say I didn't, I, my offer to him wasn't, yeah, I'm glad he took my <laughs> offer. I was talking to the kid while he was in the portal, and okay. Oh, there's coming. a couple Good. more here. Okay, what else you got? <clears throat> Mason White, defensive back transfer from TCU. That's also, quote-unquote, official? Now, it yeah. doesn't become yeah. official till December 20th. Right, but it's... Correct, um, or, or... Let me put it this way. Yeah. So, it, these are reported by Dashiell and by Beaver Blitz, but there's also a picture on, on Twitter, on X, of these guys that's, I think, generated from Oregon State because it shows oh, them in the well, uniform. Well, then, then, then that's official because portal people in the portal transferring schools are not part of the early signing period. That's different. Now, we may... You know, if Oregon State is officially, through official <coughs> Beaver sites, welcome Anthony Hankerson to Oregon State, then that is official. That is different. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, except they're not doing the welcome thing. They're just t- tweeting the, the photograph. In Beaver colors yeah. and gear, though? Yeah. Okay. What else? Jacoby Thomas. Good name. Did I say Mason White from TCU? Yes, yes you did. Jacoby Thomas, a defensive transfer from uh, defensive back. I think it was a lineman. Anyway, uh, from Middle Tennessee No, State. that's a DB and a really good one uh-huh. who supposedly, according to Beaver Blitz, if they've run a story on it, have they? <laughs> Are you deriving yeah. some of your information from there? Uh, because I've had conversations with Angie about this young man, and she said if it comes through, that's exciting news because he was getting, yeah, I mean, it, even in the midst of our world, our uncertain world, our place that's, to, to be understood and comprehended as time goes by. Where are we in the college football landscape? That young man was being uh, supposedly courted with quote big time Texas scholarship. A&M, uh, yeah, say Louisville, it. Houston, 
Ole Miss and Memphis. And Auburn, I heard, was thrown in there too. But yeah, those are, Auburn, Auburn. Yeah, those are, those are rich schools in more ways than one and all well, of that. And if he's committed to Oregon State in the midst of this, oh, yeah. it tells you. Well, listen to this. Okay. Uh, he said it's been great on his, re- on his visit. Um, Thomas said last week as he was finishing up his official visit, Coach Bray is an amazing man. He makes me feel as one of his own. Coach Perk is amazing as well. The staff overall just treats me amazing. You know what, Doc? This tells me that Bray, Perk, (laughs) that Oregon State is continuing its business in the way, even in the uncertain times we're in, that they always have. Mm -hmm. And that is building relationships with young people and that a young man such as this guy is quoted as saying that the middle Tennessee guy, I liked them. I liked what I heard. I like everything about it. That's what I want to be a part of that finding diamonds in the rough, winning the occasional battles against the likes of Texas A&M and Ole Miss and Auburn that that's big time, John, to get a player in the, particularly now in the midst of the world we're in. That speaks well to what's going on. And there's a four-star wide receiver uh, coming, I think, or already have been here, but it's not a part okay. of the official. Uh, okay. Now, what? But deal. what I'm saying to you then, with respect to Nil, is that these individuals you're talking about. See, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. I think that's yeah. official. Yeah. That that's not happening because our nil people are in this case person. Kyle's on the phone. Hey, you come here. We're gonna give you no we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna we got this for you. Once signed in a sense, signed, sealed, delivered, committed in the program, officially on the roster, then we sit down and talk about what opportunities are available. Now, I'm not gonna be so naive as to say that Coach Bray and Anthony Perkins and others on the staff who are recruiting can cite examples. You drive into town, you see our guys on billboards, which is true. We Mm -hmm. all do. You drive down Highway 99 in Eugene, you see players, O-linemen in the trenches on billboards. That's a fact. That's true. And they've received compensation for that. So they have examples to share with portal prospects about what could possibly be available here. But that isn't necessarily a promise. You come here and we pay you X. There's a, there's a whole transactional part of it within the rules of name, image, likeness that Kyle and the Damnation Collective follow. Correct. Correct. We believe that there's no impropriety going on. Right. But there is at many schools. Well, I'm sure. And, and you know, I, I remember... Just again, with respect to talking to Wayne, Craig Robinson over the years, Jonathan, you know, I will, I, I've talked to them about specific recruits, and they will say to me, well, the coaches, we were talking to them, we were moving along pretty well with them, then they put their hand out and said, you know, what, what, what are you paying me to come? I, I and we had to close the conversation. Craig I, I has told me, imagine. and Wayne has told me, and <clears throat> that other people are coming around. Yeah. Making them, and as Pat himself said yesterday, you don't really blame the student athlete for getting what he or she can, in a sense. Yeah, there may you may be not necessarily following the wisdom we talked about two thousand, three thousand old wisdom about yeah, 
you know, Jim Carrey handing the guy and liar, liar, emptying his wallet and then walking away and saying, ain't going to make you happy. Well, Jim Carrey and liar, liar could not tell a lie in those moments. And he was probably telling the truth per se. But, you know, I, I, I guess in doing things the right way, y you try to, but you don't blame the young the young people, 19, 20, 21 year olds being offered these types of things, believing they're going to get it, and in many cases, probably getting it. Michael Penix returned to Seattle for a seven figure deal. Can anyone blame him? I don't blame Michael Penix for taking a deal like that or Bo Nix or anybody else per se. Do you blame the kid? No. No, I, I don't. No, especially when they're making more playing uh, another year than right. they would if they were an NFL rookie. Probably. In many cases, yeah. It's like, no wonder. I mean, Caleb Williams stuck around. Yeah. Michael Penning stuck around. A lot of these. Bo Nix. It's those. like, wow, that's why this is such a great year in, in the Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12 quarterback world. We'll go to Mike in Seattle. We'll have open phones. We'll talk to Mike Retire at 1230. Mike, what are you getting in the, uh, you know, that won't be our lead question. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, but. I will say that they're probably, in terms of the, the word retention that Kyle Bjornstad uses, certain players rise up to certain levels, and then the tampering and the poaching and all of that begins for a guy like Jordan Pope or whatever. So there, <laughs> there has to be a degree of, of attention to retention when it yeah. comes to certain players in that world we're in. It would be so hard to be a coach now. Oh, it would be so hard. I know, I know it went on before, but not like this. Not because, you know, anytime you have any kind of a gate, that helps. It's like when my mom said, uh, took us to the beach as kids, you cannot go in any deeper than your ankles. If you do, we're going home. Because she would stay up mm -hmm. at the cabin. Well, she knew we were going to our, our knees or our thighs, but she thought if she said yeah. knees or thighs, we'd go up to our waist and maybe get right. pulled out with a riptide. Right. All that logic. Just don't let your head go under. Right. She said ankles, knowing you'd go knees, thighs. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so it's it's the same with this. Like yeah. you've got the impropriety going on all the way back to the very beginning, and I could tell you more stories, which yeah. I will. You said gate. We now have game ball gate as of last night. <laughs> they got to get Solomon to slice the ball in half, give half of it to Giannis and half to Oscar. Yeah. And, you know, whoever really loves that basketball, no, 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 let, let him have the basketball. Then you get it because you really, yeah, right. you, you really, really, really love. Yeah, you're the right owner of this ball. <laughs> we need a Solomonic decision in all things. Mike in Seattle on the Downward Dog phone line. What's on your mind, Mike? Oh, this is going to be a great show today with Kyle on, and I hope that you're able to really get into the weeds in this whole process. I think the first question is. How much total money has been contributed to the damnation mm -hmm. collective? Right. We and, will ask. We'll ask. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope we get a good answer because that gives us then kind of the setting for how much total. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, you know, there isn't any other place where that data is shown. And because they're not a 501c3, they don't have to file as a nonprofit, and so I'm concerned that there's not as much money coming in as it's going to take, you know, to stay, mm -hmm. you know, at the D or at the uh, at the big conference level. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a good question. And the other thing is, um, you know, that I think 
And I think it's an NCAA rule, but it's not enforced, that you can't induce with NIL. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It's being used that way by all anecdotal evidence we hear. But no, you're not supposed to use it as a recruiting inducement. Right. And, and, and so if that's where the market is, if that's where it's being pegged at, at these other big schools, I think we need to do the same thing so that we can keep up with those other big schools. And I think that's a good question, too. And I know it's, that it kind of feels wrong, but if it's not being enforced and that's what our competition is doing, then we have to stay up at that level. Well. And yeah, Mike, that, yeah, that's yeah. what, again, the get down and dirty, this is the way business is done, and to compete, you got to do it this way. You're saying, as a fan of the program, almost subscribing to that doctrine, even if it is slightly slightly on the edge of uh, not strictly legal, as uh, he says, and blood simple, not strictly legal? Well, I have a belief that the NCAA is becoming impotent. And they can't enforce, you know, with any certainty because the courts are showing that when the people take them to court, the Mm -hmm. the judges and the courts say, Mm -hmm. you know, in the spirit of free competition, as if any other student or any other employee, uh, you know, you can't can't harbor ill will towards the athletes. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Mm -hmm. there was just one that came out the other day, right? A temporary restraining order that that people can play when they transfer a second time. Mm -hmm. And so every time it goes to court, it seems like the court side with the athletes and their freedom, you know, to move, you know, and make their own choices. And, um, I mean, I, I keep going to, Back to that's where the market is setting the standard, and I'm concerned if yeah if there's I know. other programs yeah. you know that are doing things like that and it's working for them, and if we don't and we stand on principle, which I agree with, <laughs> then uh, then we're going to lose out over the long run. Yeah, so, I, I hear you. Job with Kyle. Okay. Yeah, he's on in a few. Thanks a lot, Mike. I stand on principle to a point. <laughs> So then you don't really stand on principle. What do you do? I mean, I understand Mike's question. We all do. What do you do when you know, you know that if you do it the right way, you'll get left behind by everyone. Right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk to Kyle about that. Kyle, what are you going to (laughs) do? Well, these are good questions and and real life questions, Mike and others are kicking around and asking. I'm going to ask him too. Do they, okay. Do you have to do the same amount every year? How well, is that sustainable? I, I, <laughs> Kyle will address. We've talked before I was in here living on the margins. We were having these kinds of conversations. He joins us next on the <clears throat> Joe Beaver Show with Mike Retai just to talk the simple game of basketball and hoop from a young man from Augsburg who's having a good year. Back to back double doubles. Back at it again on Sunday. Mike Retai from Augsburg, Germany joins us at 1230. They've moved their practice time during this finals week to a later opportunity thus we get a chance because they're always practicing during our show yeah so we get to talk to a men's basketball player we've had a number of the women's players on much to our enjoyment but we get to talk to mike retai at 12 30 but it's kyle bjornstad the abc's of nil if you want to submit a question right now you've been hearing all this talk and want to ask a specific we'll see if we can run it by him 497-5356 
the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren, Kyle Bjornstad, the co-founder of the Damnation Collective, the official collective of Oregon State Athletics. Okay, About on. ready to jump on with us here. We appreciate those of you who've taken time, as all of us are trying to learn, in a very real sense, the ABCs <clears throat> of the world we're in. Collective 101, however you want to put it, there's still a lot of questions that yeah. we're still kind of wrestling with, grappling with. And yet it's been around a while, yeah. and we still are kind of going back to the basics. And I do think even Kyle Bjornstad himself, who joins us, the co-founder of the Damnation Collective with Dick Oldfield, Kyle has been working diligently in this space in the creation of the Damnation Collective, the official collective of Oregon State mm -hmm. Athletics. And Kyle, as we welcome you in, former Beaver student-athlete, uh, Kyle, a former deputy uh, to Scott Barnes, and now working in a very important world uh, in the Damnation Collective space, joins us. Kyle, I don't want to speak for you, but is this world you're in changing enough or is it well defined enough that you know everything abc through z about the 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 collective world the nil world or are you still even as you try to do things right in a sense still trying to learn all that that means yeah well first thanks for having me you guys uh always happy to join and, and talk to you guys um that is a loaded question yes <laughs> it's uh this, this landscape, NIL, transfer portal, all that stuff, it's, uh, it's a landscape that's changing constantly. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what you know today may be true, may be not true tomorrow. So, yeah, you're, just, you're kind of drinking from the fire hose, learning all you can, adapting as things evolve. And, you know, that's, that's one commitment that I'll always make is you never know enough and you need to keep grinding it out and learning and, you know, again, I say this many times, but what drives me is keeping the student athletes, you know, front and center and doing right by them and, and doing right by Oregon State to make sure we're doing everything correctly um, to put us in the best situation uh, moving forward. So, Kyle, what is your understanding that everything correctly means now, today, December 14th, 2023, in attempting to do things, quote, correctly, the way they were, quote, intended? What does that mean? Take us through, perhaps from just from the ground level on up, how it works in in the damnation collective world. How you believe it's supposed to work? Well, yeah, I, I appreciate that question because you know, with my background, having been a student athlete, worked in the athletic department intimately, understanding the compliance aspects of things, understanding um, what you can do, but probably more important, actually, not probably. Uh, definitely more important is, you know, what you should not be doing. And so the foundation of damnation starts and ends with, you know, we have the right kids on campus. We have great coaches. They recruit the right kids, the ones that want to be here. And my philosophy is focusing on the retention of our student athletes and rewarding their loyalty for, for not only being a beef, but wanting to continue being a beef. So most of what you're hearing on a national level when you talk about NIL is, you know, transfer portal and kids going to the highest bidder and all of those things. You know, um, there's a lot of stories out there. Um, many, I would argue, are, are absolutely not true, but there are a lot that are. Um, so you kind of need to weed through that. But at the end of the day, when you think about 
doing it right, going by the, you know, the, the, going by the book, it really is about, for me, retaining what we've got, investing in what we've got, giving these kids opportunities because they've earned them and they're loyal and they're beef. All right, Kyle. So because of some earlier conversation that we had, uh, just prior to you coming on <clears throat> and some texters and, and a phone caller, I'm going to ask you a tough philosophical question. And that is, if many others are, are not doing it on the up and up, if you do it, if you say we're going to do this the right way, which is the right answer, by the way, if, you, if the Beavers do it the right way, but you know, you know for a fact that everyone else is cheating and you're going to get left behind, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I actually think I, I look at this um, from from the perspective that those that are doing it wrong, and I don't want, I don't want to go as far as saying everybody's right. doing it wrong, but but certainly the things you're hearing about, um, you can make that argument. Um, when I talk about doing it right, I'm looking at it as a truly sustainable model that's not all about today. Obviously, today is an important focus, but it really is about. Um, looking at this long term. And so what does that mean? When, when others are looking at, you know, today or the next 48 hours or the, the, the roster at this point in time, uh, you know, eventually the NCAA has got to wrap their arms around this and figure out um, how to police it. Um, and so as we build our program and we do it the right way, I'm going to have no problem saying, hey, if you want to nitpick and look at everything we've done, go for it, because you're going to find that it was done, done right. And so when I, I do think eventually, um, and I think we're starting to see it a little bit already, um, those that do, do it the right way are going to win in the long term. But I'd argue that we're, we are winning now um, just because student-athletes that are here, they do feel that they're, they're taken care of. I think, um, you know, in the – student athletes across the country, former teammates in high school. I mean, all these kids talk. And so it gets around that, oh, Oregon State does what they say. Um, it's all fair. And I think you're starting to see across the country there's a lot of promises made that are going on kept. And so that corrodes credibility elsewhere. So I'm all for it. If, if they're going to do it that way and their credibility is corroding mm-hmm. um, while we're doing it right, that's only going to benefit us now and in the future. Okay, so <clears throat> let's take it back to the very beginnings of IL name, image, and likeness. This is not a sarcastic question. It's an honest question from my standpoint of what is the definition and how it's supposed to work, and is it working the way it's supposed to work? Here's an example. Uh, for years and years and decades, kid plays, uh, they, they sell his jersey with his name on it, and he doesn't get any money. They sue, name, image, and likeness, which is the name on the jersey, or a picture on a t-shirt, uh, and now he can get a cut of that. What's the difference between that and a quarterback making a million dollars a year? He's not, they're not selling that many pictures of him, and he's not signing that many autographs in a store for a million bucks. So what's the difference between the initial meaning of NIL versus what we're seeing now? Yeah, uh, so my answer to that is the, the main difference is the, the hard work that goes into it. And so, again, when I say doing things right, this, it, what you are seeing nationally is, is you introduce NIL and the transfer portal at the same time my question to you is what do you think was going to happen? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking to 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and oftentimes they're look, you know, it, it, they may be going to the highest bidder, which again, by, by rule, 
you are not to entice, use NIL to entice kids to go to school. So, but the work behind it, how NIL should work, I am all in on. Giving these kids opportunities to monetize on what they've earned, their, their name, image, likeness, um, partnering them with local and regional um, opportunities to promote brands, to promote products, to you know, have their back name on a jersey and to be able to sell it and monetize. Those are all legitimate things. But when you hear about millions of dollars exchanging hands and, and kids are landing places and you can't really point to anything that they're doing, I mean, there's an issue there, isn't there? Well, there is, and that's what, anecdotally speaking, whether we have definition, let's just, our three quarterbacks in our conference this year, our former conference, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix Jr., all of the talk, Kyle, anecdotally was, well, they're coming back for seven-figure deals. That's why they didn't go into the NFL draft. They're getting well taken care of. Now, A, do you believe that that's essentially true for all three of those guys, let's say, for argument's sake, and B, what did they then do for $1.7 million if, if that was indeed a figure one or all three of them received in that neighborhood? Well, I'd, I'd urge people to, you know, we don't know all the facts for sure, right? right. But um, and I certainly don't know those individual, you know, circumstances. What they, you know, what they've done. You're talking about some of these guys, though. They they do have, um, you know, big brands on their own. So I have no doubt they have opportunities in the NIL space. Um, but I would say when you hear, we need to be careful with these numbers that mm-hmm. are being thrown around because right. you don't know what's real. You don't know what's not. You also know that in this space now, all of a sudden, you know, there are, there are agents out there, and we know what happens with agents is their job is to try and go out and get, you know, the most, again, the, kind of the highest bidder, all of those things we know are happening. Um, and so it, it's hard to speak to individual right. athletes, but I will tell you, it, it is very, very hard for me to believe um, a lot of the numbers that, that are being thrown around that truly align with NIL deals. Right, but what do you make of Matt Rule at Nebraska when the portal was about to open? Well, he just threw out a number. Is he doing that willy-nilly, or did he have research from his people or whatever do you think? Again, I know you can't speak to – well, here, I can't speak to Rule. I get that. But Rule said in the portal to land one of these high-level, upper-tier quarterbacks in the portal, you start at a million-plus, 1.2 or above. I mean, he said that for the record. Kyle, what what was your reaction to that? Yeah, my reaction to that is just, again, I, I, don't, I don't think you can believe everything that you hear, and I think that's a case of, you know, what's being said, what people believe, what, you know, it, it really is just kind of a, an open market, and, you know, there's, there are big dollars, flo- you know, floating around out there. I do think they are, um, you know, the numbers are ballooned quite a bit when it comes down to it in, at the end. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's interesting, you know, I've seen some coaches that are out there, you know, talking about these things. And, and again, I don't know fully what's fact and what's not. Um, but again, what, what I'm focused on is Oregon state, what we can do, the resources we have being realistic, what we can do. And it comes back to our student athletes, providing these opportunities, all that we can. And, and for me, that's where now. I research, I take notice of what everybody else is doing and what's being said and, and all of those things. But 
the more time I spend doing that, the less time I have focusing focusing on what is most important, and, and that's Oregon State. Okay. All right. Here's Good a answer. here's a, a question now. There was this big push and building things up and, you know, hitting certain marks and, okay, this big push. All right, we got to get to $2 million. We got to $4 million. Do you have to do that every year? Or is it one time? I mean, how does it – I can't see how one it can sustain itself, whether it be Oregon State or any other college. It's hard for me to believe that we've heard that uh, LSU baseball has $31 million for baseball <laughs> alone, for NIL, that they can do that every single year. Yeah, no, to answer your question is it's not sustainable. The, the current model that most are using is absolutely not sustainable, and that's why I made this, the decision early on to go about it a different way. You know, as you, tr- you, you treat this as a startup, right? Like, do you, do you need some individuals to step up to really get us going and make sure we're competitive out of the gate? Absolutely. To keep going back to those people over and over and over again, that's not sustainable. Not when those same people have been giving generously to the university for years and years and years. I've, I've always felt, again, with my background, knowing these people intimately, you know, the trust is there. I've always said that, hey, I, I do need you, but I want to build out a sustainable model that calls for not just the select few, but literally thousands of Beaver fans doing what they can. You know, a subscription model. Can you give $10 a month, $20 a month, $100 a month? You know, can you get... Mm-hmm. A bunch of people on board, which, by the way, that's the beaver way. You know, working together, linking arms, getting behind something, trusting in our process that we're going to do right by the student-athletes, right by the contributors. And that, I believe, is sustainable. Growing that pipeline with a bunch of people that can, can um, pr- you know, provide recurring resources, all the while, again, going back to what NIL should be, going out and finding local, regional businesses that are willing to identify with what we're doing, um, use NIL to promote their business, their products with student-athletes. You know, that, that again, it goes back to being part of a sustainable model. And so you're not going back to the, to the well, you know, the same well every year because that's just not going to work. Right. Well, again, it, it goes back to the hard work part. Put in the hard work now where everybody else is looking for a quick mm-hmm. a quick fix for today. Mm-hmm. And can you just get out ahead of this thing and, and control your own destiny? And then everybody's playing, you know, they're, they're chasing you later on. Okay, so that, that's a perfect, that answer to that question, the question and the answer is a perfect uh, transition into a listener's question. And they say, uh, why do we seem to have so much trouble? And by we, I think the listener might be referring not so much to the collective but the collective along with years and years of, of raising funds for the school for the athletic program. In other words, big-name people. But the question is, why do we seem to have so much trouble drawing funds from super-wealthy donors? We have a number of super-wealthy super wealthy donor Oregon State graduates out there and that, that aren't a part of things. And one example is the NVIDIA or NVIDIA guy that just gave, <laughs> he and his wife gave $50 million for a new research center at Oregon State, and w- how? Why are we not able to get that guy for for uh, athletics? And then there was right. another one that was um, the former Milwaukee Bucks owner, who uh, you know what I mean, Kyle. But anyway, what yeah. what's the deal with those high rollers from Oregon State? Well, well, first of all, I want to make it clear we do have a number of uh, uh, Oregon State alumni and and folks that have stepped up mightily to help us out. 
um, yeah, of course they're always out there that, that, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, you know, the, the phones are ringing and, and, you know, we're just getting those types of things. But I kind of take that upon myself to, you know, this is new. This space is still new. Um, the majority of what you see and read and hear is NIL's got a black eye and, and you're not going to hear me argue, um, just in terms of the national landscape and what you see. Um, so I take it upon myself to build a, a legitimate program based in Oregon State values, and I think that if we create a compelling argument as to what we're doing, why the benefit that comes out on the other side for the student-athletes and all those things, I, I do think that people will will step up and, and help us. But, um, you know, they, they each have their own decisions, and I, – I'm chasing every avenue I possibly can. I want everybody to know that, and and I'm going to do everything I can to make this successful. Can NIL? This is another uh, listener. Can NIL? Can I can already answer the question. Yes, of course it can. Does it, or how do you deal with it in creating animosity among teammates? Yeah, it can. And, and again, it kind of goes back to the f- philosophical view of I, I don't think. Um, as you look at rosters, you should be top-heavy with NIL, whether it's a small team of 10 and you're only taking care of one or two, or it's uh, obviously, you know, football's the driver, 100-plus kids, and you're only taking care of, you know, the top 10%. Um, I, I think part of what makes Oregon State special is the people, it's the community, it's the culture. And so, you know, trying to go wide through a locker room, meaning trying to get as many people involved with opportunities versus just your top. I think that's one thing that also is going to differentiate ourselves. Um, and, and it's, it's proven to be successful thus far. Open doors. Is it, you're connected with that? Yeah. Okay. That is a deal though. You go to that website and every athlete in every sport is on there and you can, you can donate money in different ways and have them give a shout out or an autograph or stuff like that. I think that's great. How's that doing? Yeah, it's uh, so Open Doors is a tool. Well, you have to understand that Open Doors is a tool essentially that you can go direct to a student athlete with an NIL deal. What I really use that platform for is the compliance piece. So anytime I do an NIL deal with a student athlete, you have to send them an offer, they have to review it. It's trackable. Compliance has their, their eyeballs on it. But the, the student athlete has to provide proof that they completed what they were asked to do. And compliance is then notified of that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good tool. Um, open doors in general, though, as you're talking about it, is a little bit archaic. Um, I think it was great before, you know, a collect, collectives really came front and center. Um, what you have to open, understand is an, an individual that goes to Open Doors, you know, they're going to a fee is associated with, with that deal to a student athlete, whereas with a collective, um, that fee is minimal compared to if an individual is going direct to a student athlete. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But what's key for me is, again, doing things right is everything we do is documented, compliance can look at. Um, student athletes have to provide proof that they actually did what was asked. And by the way, they provide the proof and I have to review every single one of them and accept their proof. So ultimately, again, it comes back on me to make sure that everything's being done uh, legitimately. If something gets turned down, is it turned down by you or the athlete? 
you know, the athlete, um, they can turn, they have every right. If, if, if an offer is out in front of them and maybe they don't have the time or they don't love that product or business or whatnot, they have every right to turn it down. Um, just as I have every right to turn down if they submit proof and I have questions about it or I don't think it's, um, it's, uh, was done fully, um, I'll, I'll turn it down or I'll go back to, to them and make sure that it's done. In some cases, it might be one small thing wasn't done. Um, so we'll go back and make sure that it is and before we accept it. Okay, so another question from a listener that's kind of along the thread of this. Can an individual local business go direct to a player, or do they have to go through the collective or the university? You, I mean, you really should. I, what I would say to answer that question is they could go direct through an open door, something like that. But I think the importance, and again, this is just my philosophy with Oregon State, making sure things are done right. Why? So my, I would always argue, contact the collective. I am happy to help assist in every form or fashion to make sure that, one, you get what you're looking for in terms of promotion from student-athletes, but two, that the athletes, there's already a lot of trust there. Um, I could follow up with them, make sure that it's done correctly. Compliance boxes are all checked. Um, that would be my response to that. Okay, another question, Dean, from Eugene wants to know how the effect of the 44 ground swell was. That was amazing, and I want to provide the, the context that that was all credit goes to Beaver Nation on that. Um, it was an organic uh, promotion that really just kind of started with Beaver fans. I still don't know who started it, but thank you if you're listening. Um, uh, let me put it in context. We started the mission to a million uh, early to mid-September, so two and a half months in, we had between 800 and 850 commitments, um, and in a matter of literally 72 hours, that 800, call it 850, ballooned to 2,300. Hmm. So, you know, an extra 1,500 people jumped on board, raised, you know, $370,000. It really took us over our, our million-dollar match, um, and, and that was amazing, and that's that's what I've been talking about all along. It, it really is going to be a program that's going to be successful because of the members in Beaver Nation believing in what we're doing, wanting to support these kids, linking arms, and whether it was four dollars and forty-four cents, or we had a we had a gift of forty-four thousand four hundred and forty-four. Wow! <laughs> um, it, it, again, it goes back to I appreciate we appreciate every dollar that comes in, and we just ask that folks do what they can. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope they put the forty-four cents at the end of that one too. The big one. <laughs> Are they cheap? You know what? Uh, we I, on that one, I don't think there's forty four cents. Ah. yeah, that's yeah. You better get in touch with them. Get in touch with them. Are all these athletes going to know to pay their taxes on this? What? I'm sorry. What was that? Are these athletes going to know or be taught or told you got to pay taxes on all this? I'm really glad you asked that question. We. Um, we have partnered with uh, uh, an alum who is uh, is an accountant, helps with taxes. They are one thing that we ask all of our student athletes to do is is to meet with these consultants, learn about what this means for you. I mean, back to life lessons and how you make this meaningful for these athletes today and in the future. 
there there is a significant impact on these kids for you know the money that they're making and they need a plan for that so in some cases we do large group settings a couple times a year where athletes can come and learn from from professionals on how you should be planning for this um in other cases uh due to dollar amounts we get one-on-one consultation uh for them so they understand what's coming and that's another form of nil uh you know they're they're getting that education and they can help promote that business for providing it so um again it's an extra step that most collectives most universities are not doing but i feel it's really really important to educate these kids on on what all of this means Mm -hmm. last thing and this is a a listener question and it says are, are these um has the legislature the oregon legislature made any laws on nil and that that was the first part i'll follow that up by saying do you think they will yeah, to this point, there hasn't been a whole lot of movement on that front. Um, I, I don't know if they will or not. I do think that on a national level, I, I hope that this is really looked at just globally because when you get into the state-by-state thing, I think that's going to provide um, even more challenges. If this state's doing this and this state, I mean, we already have enough challenges as they are. So, again, my hopes are, the NCAA does their part and, and steps up and starts enforcing things that, that we know are happening. Um, and, and and then from, you know, is it federal legislation around certain things? Who knows what's going to happen? But I, I do hope that at some point people are willing to get their arms around this thing and rein it in. Final question, Kyle, and, and we've got about two minutes, but that is it's getting back to almost where we began inequities, disparities between markets and donors and contributors have always existed long before name, image, likeness, and all of that, you know, whether it's under the table payments reportedly years ago in different programs or different things going on. Does Oregon State thus, going forward now, in, in a sense, in even more of an existential sort of question mode, where are we, where are we going to be in a conference, what kind of TV deal, et cetera, how can, what can you say to Beaver Nation about what you're doing and how we can hope to compete. You just raised through your mission to million. You know, I, I don't know how much money you have in the overall coffers now, whether you can de- reveal that or share that, but how do we survive and compete in this wild, wild west world without the guardrails about legislation, the NCAA, et cetera, providing? Again, I think it just goes back to linking arms. Beaver Nation always figures out a way. Um, You've pointed to a number of things in in the past where, guess what, though? We always overcome, and it's with this community. And so, you know, when Mission to a Million, and I'll try to be brief, when we launched that, I was nervous from the Mm get-go just because I knew it would take a little bit of time, but I knew Beaver Nation had it in them to do it. Um, nobody's doing that nationally. I'm just saying the mm-hmm. strength and numbers thing is a foreign concept. Um, but, but what I was nervous about is when we hit it, the message, I mean, congratulations, pat on the back. I am thrilled, Right. but our work is just beginning. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to think that just cause we hit it, we have what we need. And that's just being candid. We need to, we need to keep going. We need to get as many people involved as, as possible. And, and again, we're going to do this thing right. And so, I'm not afraid of the work. I actually embrace the hard work, um, but but it's going to take a village. And it, in true Beaver fashion, we're going to come out ahead. We are going to compete. We're going to continue to win. And, uh, and you know what? It's going to make it more enjoyable because we all have a piece of it and an ownership of it. 
and uh, we do it together. And we close then with, for somebody listening saying, I want to be a part of it, whether it's $4 a month, 40 400 10 whatever, what's the, just give us a quick, hey, anybody listening wants to get into the space and contribute and be part of Linking Arms, how do they do it? Simply go to damnationcollective.com. Um, you can get, you reach out. If you have additional questions, I will always call, or you could, you could uh, submit a commitment uh, financially to the collective whether it be a one-time commitment or monthly, there's options there. Uh, but I encourage you beyond that to get involved that way and just continue to spread the word. Kyle, thank you for spreading the word with us today on the show. Uh, thanks for answering questions. We still have some. There are more, and we're always asking them, but we appreciate your time as always on the Joe Beaver Show. Thank you, Kyle. Yep, I'll jump on literally anytime. Okay. Just let thank- me know. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle Bjornstad, an hour to go. Mike Retai, 1230, open phones next on The Joe Beaver Show. It's with joy that the student-athletes are returning to the fields and courts. But it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging. In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games, and there are still tailgate shows, they're still broadcast, and through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show, a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Hey, into the second hour we go, open phones. Now, Mike retired at 1230, formerly Mikey. And I'm told now, you know, why don't we call Mikey so much? Hey, gay Mikey, he likes it. No, he doesn't like it so much. Mike and Michael, Mike retired. I still slip in. Mikey retired to the basket. You know, I can't. I kind of like. Yeah, the but feel. He, doesn't, he doesn't turn and around. And sound. He, he, hey, and he doesn't jog by and look at it. it's my it's it's Michael, <laughs> not Mikey. Okay, Tyrone. it's Mike, not Mikey. Okay, Tyrone. Yeah. Um, we got Texas San Antonio tickets. I don't know how we're going to get rid of them. How well, do we get? How do we get these to the people? <laughs> <laughs> if they make a contribution to nil right now, we want you to nail it down. And we, no, we'll figure out a way. We'll do it before. Maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. 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 We'll get them just, out. Just to be known. We have a pair of tickets to see the Beavers on Sunday. And do we have, what's the other pair? Is that uh, a women? Oh, we do. We have, uh, let's see, is this one or two? This is a pair. To Santa Clara? to Santa Clara Okay, good. Night. We will have, we, that's an we inducement. Also Idaho State on the 21st. Is that men or women? I don't know. That's uh, men, I believe, on the fan. Okay, well, we yeah. got three pair of tickets to give away. I know. I just go from minute to minute. I know, uh, me too. Minute by minute. Doobie Brothers, well, cue them up. The, Let's the, go. The men and the women, the, the, here's the thing. It's hard to memorize. The men and the women, starting a couple of weeks ago, all the way up to the end of the month, have a lot of home games and a lot of different non-conference teams. Right. And, and that's so the way like I look at Troy, it. Who are you playing? Idaho well, State, a lot, a lot of games. App State, well, Santa Clara. You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Let me know the margins. Yeah, four nine seven five three five six on the Downward Dog phone line, the University Honda text line. Did you learn anything from, you know, what, what Kyle had to say? Anything at all that uh, caught your attention, jumped out at you? Okay, thanks for 
anything. We're interested only. I saw a film the other day called Burn After Reading, namely because my my uh, daughter, future son-in-law, said, oh, Dad, you'll really a Cohen brother, Burn After Reading. My favorite part, I, I didn't love it. I kind of liked it. I thought it was funny here and there, but my favorite part at the end, J.K. Simmons, the state farm guy or whatever, is that the insurance state oh, yeah. farm or farmers? What does J.K. Simmons sell? Okay. J.K. Simmons, good actor at the end, goes, what are what did we learn out of all of this? Did we learn anything at the end of this bizarre mistaken identity movie that's funny? Is the schedule officially out? Yes. Brooks Hatch tipped me off. Thank you, Brooksy. That must have just hit in the fire hose of information. So we're going to go to that in just a second. We'll get Dave on. What did we learn? I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what kind of questions we tried to, to, to run the questions by. I had talked to Kyle about actual dollars and money, Mike, in Seattle off the air. Yeah. That was not not something that, full disclosure, I don't think you can go to the collective site itself and figure out. You can earmark where you want your money to go. So if you have a question about how do we know where these contributions go, if you commit to the general fund, then you are trusting the general wisdom of Kyle and people involved in the collective and that's primarily Kyle, for the most part. Dick Oldfield, I think, may still have his hand in it, too. But you can say, I want to make a contribution to $10,000, and I want this to all go to Oregon State baseball and baseball players and the program for retention of players. You can, you can earmark and be assured that the dollars will go, and you'll be given a report and all of that as to you know, whoever received Bazana, Turley, whatever else, you can you can control that part of it. If you commit to the general fund, there may not necessarily be chapter and verse on who received what if it's a general fund commitment. But I'm not sure how much we learned there other than the Beavs are in a in a challenging space and always have been. That was what I was trying to get at at the end. I know times are different. And on a certain level, John, you and I both, I, I guess, are a little squeamish about how does if LSU has 31 million for baseball alone, yeah. I don't know where that. Where did you see that number? Where did you come up with I that figure? I heard it during the spring during the uh, tournament. You heard it? I thought I heard it from you. No. Well, no. I heard it from. I did hear it. Okay, and well, others did too. Uh, I, I ran by a I ran a figure by some LSU people about no, that. No, but we heard it from others. Sorry. Okay, good. I got you. But let's just say, for argument's sake, that that's true. If it's true, although you, there are some outlandish numbers within that world that aren't true, promises made that aren't delivered upon. When a student athlete is induced through the portal or whatever else, you come here, we'll pay you X. They get there and don't get not only X, they don't even get <clears throat> uh, A or B either. They they don't even get up to X. Promises, false promises, lures uh, that end up not being delivered upon. That's why I think Kyle is very circumspect about wanting to make sure you said the book. I don't even know what the book is. It sounds like new chapters being written all the time, but try to go by the book, abide through compliance as much as possible. And he used the phrase link arms and do it the beaver way, which is if you don't have the so-and-so donor you were referring to, just made a $55 million commitment, whatever else, involved in athletics as much as we'd probably like that individual to be, 
That person is free, as all are, to do whatever they want with their donations and money. And if athletics isn't their thing, it isn't their thing right. right now. I did wonder, and I do wonder, I do think the Beavers' place in time and the dissolution of the Pac-12 has perhaps created a little bit more of awareness or even concern on certain people's parts who don't really, even if they're not that into athletics, don't really like the idea of a, of a diminishment, per se, of the Beavers standing mm-hmm. in a conference or lack thereof or in the athletic-slash-academic world when athletics have been a front porch entree into even increased enrollment numbers, increased awareness of the brand for people when athletics is having success. There could be some people who don't know the difference between football and football or a baseball and a softball who may be standing up now in this time and place saying, what's going on exactly? Well, what can we do about it? Maybe the we is growing in numbers for people who are trying to say, okay, well, I don't care what about sports, but athletics have a place within our mission, and we need to make sure that there's a space in which we can still have games and somehow thrive and and benefit one another. Maybe there are more people stepping up into the collective world, finding ways to contribute along those lines who've been primarily more concerned with the academic mission heretofore than athletics. I hope I hope that may be happening. We're going to go to Dave. Anyway, I'm not sure if Kyle answered your questions. We still have some that go unanswered. Well, we, we, we do have a question here. Um, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this makes me laugh. Please ask Kyle if he's had any recent communication with Columbia Sportswear and Pacific Office Automation regarding NIL support. Dan and Beaverton never got to that. I never oh. even got to him. Right. Um, so never got to it. We, there were others that we, we just ran out of time. So then he follows up. Why didn't you ask about Columbia Sportswear and Pacific Office Automation? Because we never saw it. It's okay. not like we were trying to hide anything. We just didn't get to all I'll the I'll shoot a text. He says, I'll shoot a text, and I'm not sure how that all works. But the money's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. And endorsement deals and that type of thing. So, you know, we'll run, I'll, Dan, we'll run it. I'll run it by Kyle via text and see if I get an answer. In the meantime, Dave joins us. Uh, local Dave, not Tumwater Dave. Dave, good afternoon. Sometimes I have trouble getting on the phone before Tom Water, and that's okay. He's got good, good stuff. And 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 I was thinking about him when I kind of came up with these questions because I know he's been real critical about accepting mediocrity in the football program. So I'll preface it by saying Trent Bray, he's not taken over a two and ten program. He's not taken over something that was down to the dumps like. Gary Anderson did, and Jonathan Smith did. He's taken over an 8, 9, 10-win team that he's been a part of and helped coach it, mm-hmm. right? So next year, the year after, and I'll say this, he's a first-time head coach, so that factors into my, I guess, two questions. Number one, what, as a fan, as a, a realist, what are your expectations for next year going into the season? Um, and that's going to depend on the schedule. Sounds like it's out now. Yeah, we're going to so do the pocket schedule first version coming up next to answer your question. We'll go through every game, pick winners and losers, yeah. and, and we'll tell you, Dave, how we feel about that in a second. So what, yeah. okay, so and expectations. I, I'm curious about what I know. other callers think too, right? Yes. So, 
what are the expectations? And then what do you even think is reasonable? Like, are you okay saying, yeah, you know, first time head coach, six, six wins is good. Or do you want to see us still be an eight, nine, 10 win team? Or do you say, yeah, I think we should be a, you know, based on the schedule, 10, 11, 12 wins. Right. I, right. And, and that's a genuine question. I want to hear it. Like specifically Dave, he's, he's not really talked about it. And there's some other guys that are fairly critical of, you know, not accepting mediocrity or losing or mm-hmm. taking a step back for whatever the reasons are. I wonder if he still feels that same way, even though Bray is going to be a first-time head coach here. Right. So, yeah. and, and maybe the same for any other caller who wants to weigh in. Sure. I'm kind of curious where, where we fill in on that. Good so. questions, Dave. Thank you, sir, for the call. We'll, uh, we'll dive into that schedule here now. Uh, we'll go to Ed before we break, and then we will, game by game, I take it, that dates haven't been announced for the uh, other games. Correct. So at the, at the bottom there. So we'll go through in our next segment the schedule as we know it, but the the alliance games with the Mountain West mm-hmm. home games will feature UNLV, San Jose State, and Colorado State, and road games Air Force, Nevada, and Boise State. Now the Boise State game was already on the schedule, so that, that's not part of that. Was it already home alliance. Or road? We were going on the road. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to Ed. We'll get the rest of the games and dates that we know of here in a moment. Ed, good afternoon. Yeah, hey, I'll, uh, there's a lot of good things going on, so I don't want to be too negative. But the schedule, um, I think if uh, Merle Jr., I think is his name, calls in again, we got to get him right to the top of the list because, you know, he was kind of complaining about this schedule and – I think this is an unforced error on Scott Barnes' part. He's been promising this thing, and it was always five power five, five power five, five power five. I count four if you count Wazoo. Uh, so I think it's an, it, you know, to me, that was an unforced error, and I think that's exactly what Merle was concerned about when mm-hmm. he called and said, I don't like how long the schedule's taking. So that's really about it. I just, you know, when I saw it and I looked at it and I counted, I yeah. just, you know, we've always been told five power five. And that's yes. the case. So. Well, you're right. It doesn't appear as though there's a fifth. You're, you're right. <laughs> seven home games yeah. maybe is the seven home games might, from the minds of those who put the schedule together, maybe you had to go on the road to a power five and maybe it wasn't the best of fits. And now you made an exchange to get a seventh home game on the, you know, maybe that'll be an explanation when we do get somebody talking. Yeah. About it. I know. I don't want to, bag on Barnes too hard. He's got a lot going on and everything. To me, this was just an unforced error. I yeah. don't know if he felt pressed. I mean, I'm sure he did with people talking about the schedule, but um, you yeah. know, he just, I think, you know, unforced error. I it's a fair point, really Ed. About it. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Let's break. We'll come back and look at the schedule before we bring in Mike Retai on the Joe Beaver Show on Joe Radio. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have <laughs> yeah, Well, yeah, there's a few things that probably could be Joe taken Beaver out show. of the rotation and off of billboards and scrubbed, get things scrubbed. Okay, the schedule. Here's what we know. Yeah. August 31st, Idaho State, Reeser Stadium. September 7th, at San Diego State. September 14th, home against Oregon. September 21st, home against Purdue. September 28th, at Cal November 23rd, replacing <laughs> replacing the rivalry game slotted in the weekend, home to Washington State. 
on November 23rd. That is the game, since you're the Pac-2, that's become your rivalry yeah, game. Uh, not only a rivalry game, but that might be kind of a uh, built-up years from now as a celebration-type game. Like, hey, we're, looking, we're the last two that, 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 that stuck it out, and years from now, if things yep. are uh, so much better. So, those are the known dates. The other is still to be announced, John, as you read the language of the schedule release. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have the story in front of you. But, again, I'll go through it. August 31st, home to Idaho State. September 7th, at San Diego State. September 14th, Oregon at Reeser. September 21st, Purdue at Reeser. September 28th, at Cal. November 23rd, Washington State. In between September 28th and November 23rd, the Beavers will host... UNLV, San Jose State, and Colorado State, and go on the road to Air Force, Nevada, and Boise State. Now, it's interesting to me, and I said that wasn't part of the six-game alliance. Evidently, it, it, retroactively, I mean, it's it, being, became. it became part of the six-game alliance since Boise State was already on the schedule for yeah. the Beavers on the road next year. We saw that with Colorado, California, uh, a couple of schools when Utah, Colorado, and well, when Utah and Colorado came into the conference ten years ago, there was already some games on the schedule. In fact, the mm-hmm. Beavers had a basketball game that I called for you. Yeah, that was uh, we, we went there the year before the actual merger. So I get that. Okay, so, so what do you want to know? I'll tell you everything. Well, uh, tell me something. Tell me something there's, good. There's Rufus. no mention. There's no mention as to uh, why four, not five, um, in the release. Right. In the release, just in paragraphical form, it it, it describes what we see. Are on, there any quotes, or is it dates? just factual no. information? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just factual information about what the uh, actual dates are. No times, of course, but uh, and no TV information, none of that. Mm-hmm. But as it is, there's a schedule. Now, Harold from Sandy just called and said. And this is Harold saying that people shouldn't be complaining about the schedule. We're lucky we have a schedule. <laughs> that, that is a view, point of view, yes. So Harold's point of view is, and he had some strong words, and I understand, but people should not be complaining. And uh, just uh, thankful that we even have a schedule. Well, I, we None of us know what went on behind no. the scenes and how hard it was for Scott Barnes to, to, uh, to do this and working with, uh, co- uh, with uh, President Murthy and, of course, the other side. And I, by that, I mean uh, Washington State and, um, and their, their, their leadership. But what a hole to be in. What a horrible starting point to be in to try to come up with all this. And I, I'm not making yes. any excuses. Yes. And who knows why it went from five to four. I bet you there was a fifth and it fell through. It, and there's it, nothing you could do about one it. One wild speculation. I mean, that Notre Dame was being mentioned as a possible Power Five game before the bowl game was announced. Right. I mean, who knows? It, right. it was being talked about. There was no ink drying, perhaps. But if let's just say, for argument's sake, that could be a reason, possibly. Sure. Maybe Notre Dame was going to, we were going to go back there. But then Notre Dame, hey, I don't want to, we don't want to play you guys twice. Right. After the Sun Bowl after was announced, so we want to play five, again. Power five model in that case. That That's a wild speculation. I have no idea. But I do think the goal was, yeah. Scott was doing everything he could to try to meet that five power five, six Mountain West, one FCS. They in his goal in pursuing, and he stated it. Yeah. Unforced error is wh- how it's being described by perhaps by Ed and maybe Merle. 
you got the schedule now, Ed Merle. Maybe you're uh, disappointed in okay, that's not that's not as competitive as we wanted it to be in right. terms of trying to get the. If we're going to be good, and we're going to be pretty good, that's to Dave's question. How good? And how good do you think we should be? And how high should we dream? And what are our expectations now with that schedule, with a first-year coach? It's too early to answer any of those questions, I think, John, in terms of we need to see when the portal finally closes, when the recruiting class is signed and delivered between not only December 20th but in February before Trent takes the field with his guys in the fall. There's a lot of things okay, and questions that'll, that, that will shape what our expectations, quote-unquote, will be, should be, come August 31st when Idaho State plays at Reeser. So you know that these home games with UNLV, San Jose State, and Colorado State are going to take place in October. Um, Likely, yes. Because September's taken up, and November's only got one date filled, and there's nothing in October. So those are going to be October. The question, October and November. Yeah, the question mm-hmm. now is, if you do well... In with this schedule, yeah, and I, the reason why I point out they're going to be in October is that if if you've got a run of four uh, games, let's say four, five, six games against these Mountain West teams in in October and November, if you do well leading up to that, and then go through that and do well, and by that I mean six six and one, mm-hmm. seven and one, mm-hmm. seven and two. Eight wins. Can you, with this schedule, expect to be in the top twelve in the rankings? I don't think so. Not at, not with two losses. Maybe with one. Well, yeah, right. Or, yeah. or undefeated or one loss. Two. Let's what just I'm say, saying, probably undefeated, would be undefeated or one loss at the end of this. Yeah, I think does give you a real good look at it. I at, do at with top that schedule. 12, yeah, I do. It should now. But that yeah, that's that's, where, you know, that's dicey because you're going to Air Force. You're playing at Nevada. You're playing yeah. at Boise. I mean, these programs. I mean, what, it, it was a nice, easy one at Fresno State the last time we played there, wasn't it? You <laughs> know what get, I'm saying? They, individually, they don't get enough respect yeah. because they are good. A and lot of times they're good in the early. State. But here's the thing. You, you, almost want, you almost want Purdue, Oregon, and, and Cal, and Washington State to be on the back end so that that's the fresh number in mind. Right. Assuming no, you win those games in, in any kind of voter or, or placement of the top 12 teams, that's where you want them because if you go uh, – Six and zero, let's say seven and zero. Your last five games, if they're against Mountain West teams, they might not look at you. Uh, I know, as they should, because let's say you got through the harder part of the schedule. Well, then you better pull for Washington State to be really great, and you beat them on November twenty third. Now, my question to you, John, is: Has Washington State today released its schedule? I'll look. I don't know. Okay, let's break and come back with Mike Retai from the Oregon State men's basketball team and the pride of Augsburg. I confess that he joins us next on the Joe Beaver Show. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker with John Warren. John, I think you had Michael on as a guest. Did I you did. not? I uh, did. On the road when he made his debut or was about to make it after the Nebraska he game? Was, he was about to make his debut, and uh, that day was um, Dexter's birthday. It was somebody's birthday that day, but I thought Michael's birthday was in there, too. It all, I blends, could be wrong. It all blends together after a while, but yeah. the man himself, the young man from Augsburg, Germany, sophomore forward on the Oregon State men's basketball team, Michael, Mike, no longer Mikey, retire, joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike, good afternoon. How are you today? Hi, good. How are you? Doing well. How's finals week? Is it over? Are you all the finals in the books, or you still got something pending? Uh, I'm done. I just got finished today. I had my last final exam this morning at 7.30 in the morning. 
Um, yeah, finished that one, and now I'm done with school. Good for you. Michael, uh, what are I have not understood yet. What have you chosen to major in? Have you made a choice, clear-cut? Do you know what you, what you want to do ultimately with your degree? Uh, my degree is biohealth sciences, so I'm a pre-med major right now. Wow. Um, so that means I have a lot of, um, like, for example, today I had my OCHEM, OCHEM final in the morning, and I had also biology um, earlier this week, and yeah. You're tough. You're not only a tough and good basketball player, a very smart young man. If that's the avenue you've chosen, did you have that in mind a long time, even growing up, that you wanted to pursue a, a job in the medical world? Uh, not really. I just like kind of last couple of years in high school. I just feel like I was really good in science. Uh, found a lot of fun doing that, and then when I decided to play college basketball in that state, I choose. And I've chosen biosciences because I was just interested in science in general. And, yeah, that's what I'm studying now. Good for you. Michael Retai joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Congratulations on getting through finals, a practice today, later, and then a, a ball game coming up again on Sunday. But the basketball part of it, Mike, you said you were always interested in science growing up. Along the way, there must have been, too, a parallel interest in sports, basketball. When did the game of basketball begin to enter your world? Um, really, it started early. My my parents were just big fans of the Bulls era with Michael Jordan. My mom was a big fan of uh, Dennis Rodman. Uh, my mom, growing up, was playing basketball a little bit for fun, not in a sports club or high school team, but just also with her friends. My dad also used to watch a lot of basketball. He was also a lot of into sports. So pretty early, and I started playing basketball five already. Um, yeah, and then started there. And were you always... Tall. I mean, your folks tall. Were you tall for your age group and your peers? Um. So, uh, my mom is actually maybe like five five. My dad, my dad is around six foot. Hmm. Um. I was always tall. I think was like thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. I started growing a lot more, and I got taller and taller. And yeah. Michael, when then did you get a sense that? I hope right from the start you liked it. You know, you were sort of, hey, I like this game. I like to play this game. But when did you begin to think, was it also at a pretty young age, that this could be a path and an avenue to higher education and maybe even coming to the United States and playing ball? I mean, how much did, you know, that kind of goal or thinking enter your mind? When did you begin to maybe have that kind of uh, thought process? I think it was that uh, with age. Since like my age around being fifteen, I think started I started playing basketball really serious. Um, yeah, because I started playing for a different team in Germany, and then I decided to travel like every day, one hour, one and a half hours of practice. And that was when I was like, oh, I'm actually good at this. I'm having a lot of fun, so I'm trying my best to be like the best player possible, and eventually make this my job, or like mm-hmm. like you said, come to the United States and continue my career here. Where has the game taken you, Michael? Michael Retire, Augsburg, Germany, back-to-back double-doubles for the Beavs this year, having a huge year. And Mike, when, where have your travels taken you? Some of the spots in the world that the game of basketball and your excellence in it, give us some of the, you know, the travel uh, experience and journeys you've had that have been enjoyable, memorable, and you're, you're appreciative of having the game take you to some of these places. Yeah, um, so basically in Europe, I was all over Europe. I've been several times in Italy with my high school team. I've been traveling with my pro team last year. I was in Valencia playing against uh, Valencia, who's playing actually in the EuroLeague right now. 
I've been to Bulgaria, Serbia, Croatia, like probably 15 countries in Europe at least. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, besides Europe, I was North American now playing college basketball. And yeah. Good for you. Michael, how many languages do you speak? Uh, so I basically I speak like uh, German and English. But since I'm out Polish, I had a little bit of Polish. And I had Latin in school. So, I mean, it's not spoken, but I'm like, I know, like, if people could, would speak it, I would be able to speak it. But since somebody speaks it nowadays, um, unfortunately, I wouldn't count it as one. So if you were in that country, you feel you could get around pretty well? Uh, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Retai joining us. So in all of that, then, I mean, you... <laughs> You're playing all over these countries and certainly scouts and people from colleges in the United States and other pro teams in Europe and so on, scouting you, looking at you. When did you get into the Oregon State purview, so to speak, and begin to have a decision to make about what you wanted to do after high school? So my big decision was basically the right the year before I came to Oregon State. So my dream was always to play college basketball. But since I played for a, for a good pro team in Germany already, um, I was like asking myself if I want to go pro or I want to go to a good college where I also trust the coaches um, and feel the welcome, especially me, never been in the States before. And then Oregon State was just a school where I was really comfortable with. And I feel like Coach Ma especially made a really big effort to get to know me and he knew that was important to me. So that's why I ended up, uh, well, that's why I ended up leaving Germany and going to the States. And what did you make and what have you made of the of the experience, Michael, beyond the basketball, which we'll get to in a moment, and how well you've been playing and contributing in so many different ways, but the move from Augsburg to Corvallis, Oregon, how did that take for you? What's it, what's it been like making the transition from there to here? Uh, it's been really smooth, actually, even since freshman year. Um, I was really welcome to you. The coaches took me in perfectly, even the staff around the team. Not to mention my teammates, my brothers, which I have now here. Um, I never, I was never homesick, maybe just a little bit. But besides that, also school was pretty straightforward. I thought I would struggle more with my English here, especially being a science manager. Um, but it ended up working out pretty well. And yeah, the transition was actually pretty smooth and yeah, pretty easy. Good. Yeah, I want to go back to that. Do you have any troubles with some of the the technical wording and the, the difficulty of some of your classes if you're doing pre-med with uh, the language? Uh, yeah, like I said, uh, I thought it's going to be worse. Of course, sometimes there's like so- certain vocabularies I don't completely understand, so I should look them up or ask the TA or the teacher during class or during recitation. Um, but actually now, my sophomore year, I feel like I understand every vocabulary pretty well, and I don't really struggle with anything else. Mm. Michael Retire, our guest here from Oregon State Men's Basketball on the Joe Beaver Show. All right, so you've got a couple of double-doubles. See, I was with you. In fact, I, you were my player profile, I think, on the day you were going to make your debut on the road there in uh, New York. Clearly, you, you've ramped up your game and really going uh, uh, into uh, to where you are now from that beginning, coming back from injury. How, uh, how do you feel? How does it, how does it uh, did you, are you exceeding your expectations or you're right on target? Uh, I feel like I'm um, performing pretty well right now. Like you said, just come back from surgery, trying to find my way back to the team, trying to give them what they need. 
um, especially looking at our New York games, our first couple of games, uh, we struggled off rebounding. Um, so my focus was primarily coming back, helping the team with rebounding and getting stops in defense. And then offensively, I just found my rhythm over the last couple of games. Um, so now the goal for me is just like to keep my performance up and still try to give, to give the team whatever they need in every game and just be a good role model and good leader out there. Michael, retire with us for a few more minutes. The Beavers Sunday right here on 1240 Joe Radio against Texas San Antonio. Michael, the, the team itself, you guys keep grinding out ways and finding ways to win. The sense I get from players, from Wayne, Coach Tinkle is, let's get on somebody early, play 40 minutes like we play sometimes the second halves or even the last five or ten like you did against Cal Poly when you took over in that second OT how, how can you guys get there collectively to, to kind of play 40 minutes or as many minutes as you can like that, like you've been finishing games? Well, I just feel like we have to log in more in the beginning of the game. Um, if you watch our games, you actually see that we like a really good second-half team. That's why we end up clutching the most games out in the double overtime or end of regulation. Um, so therefore, I just feel like we got to be more locked into the execution. Our coaches tell us, because they do a great job in explaining the scout for every matchup. Um, and maybe a little bit of that immatureness, but I don't want to use that as an excuse anymore because I feel like we got a lot of people now who are sophomores, a lot of returners. We're all team now. So we got to take a better job in executing the game from the beginning. And I feel like if we do that, we're going to be able to be a 40 minute long team. Michael, retire with us. Back to back, as John alluded to, Mike, double doubles, 18 and 10, 17 and 10, back to back games. Double doubles are hard to get, and you've had two in a row. Where's it coming from? Is it health? Is it confidence? Tell me what, what's happened to really energize these last two games and put up double doubles. Yeah, I just feel like um, just having the approach to, like, especially come out of surgery, just to be like ready to play playing hard, playing physical, um, so trying to help the team the best way possible. And just um, obviously I got more confidence now, especially after my first good game. And I was just trying to keep my performance up. So I was really trying to get the boards again, um, make good wing plays, finish my baskets and stuff. Um, so I think that's just like a combination of me working hard, pushing hard, and just my confidence. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. Last thing, and that is where we began in introducing you. I hope you don't mind. I slip occasionally back into Mikey, retire with another great rebound. You know, I call you Mikey every once in a while. Did you lay Did you lay it out, Mike, at the start of the year? I want to be Mike or Michael going forward because I don't hear Mikey during practices or shoot-arounds anymore. Which do you prefer? Uh, honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> um, it, it used to be like it used to be like only my mom and my dad and my sister used to call me Mikey. Cause they're like my closest people. Mikey's like a little bit cuter and stuff. Um, at least in my eyes. But now a lot of people call me Mikey here and I really like it. So whatever they call me, Mike, Michael, Mikey. Okay. Uh, I like all of them. So gotcha. See, my, name's, my name is Mike also, Mike Parker, and I, you know, generally get called Mike, so I appreciate that. I will do my best to kind of stay in that Mike or Michael mode, but I get excited sometimes about some of the things you do, and I just slip into almost out of affection. Great shot by Mikey Retai. So you're saying that's okay with you in the long run? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Mike, it, it used to be when I was, like, younger. A lot of people called me Mikey. Okay, so gotcha. Growing up, but now it comes back to so it takes me a little bit back to my childhood, and I like that.
Man, I'm glad to know that's the case. So I'll, we'll see how it plays out, but it's been really a joy to watch you play, you and your teammates, and look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Thanks, Mike, for the time. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. I, nice miss, I, I missed that last part. What he's, did he he's say? good with Mikey. He said, I call him Mikey. <laughs> I heard only his family. family but that. then, you know, kids growing up. So okay. he's okay with it. It'll just depend on the mood and the moment. Because I, I like, when I like people, I like to put a Y in the I know, their name. I know. Tommy. Yeah. Tommy Hewitt. <laughs> the professor. Although I call you Michael. I don't What do I, Tim Hewitt says, I'm the only guy. Timmy. Hey, Timmy, what's going on? <laughs> You're the only one allowed to do that? Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but he let. I mean, yeah, he lets me do it. <laughs> but when I call, hey, Timmy, you. I've known him longer than you have. I, I know, should be but able he, to call him Timmy. He, well, you can. But Mike, Michael, Mikey, Retai, great kid. Yeah. Really proud of what he's doing. And yeah. being healthy is the key. I know. I remember Wayne saying, we got a guy coming from Germany that's pretty darn good. Who? Mikey retired. And I like I like I like how he just keeps getting better and yeah, better. It's fun to watch. Final break, we'll wrap things up next on the Joe Beaver show. Only three? Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. Well, we are hand wringing about no that we didn't get five power fives. You gave me the Washington that's State right. schedule. Read it off. I count three for them. Portland State. That's two for me. September seventh, Texas Tech. August thirty first, Portland State. September seventh, Texas Tech. September 14th in Seattle against the Huskies. September 21, San Jose State. November 23rd at Oregon State. So there's September's taken, November. Now you got all of October and, and most of November to fill it up with Utah State at home, Wyoming at home, Hawaii at home, on the road at San Diego State, at Boise State, at New Mexico, and at Fresno State. That's Washington State's schedule. There it, it is with three power fives. Three power fives. The Beavers have... Four. We were promised five. Well, not so much. That was the model. Yeah, that was the model. We speculated that that they may have Something had a fifth and it fell through. through. Because I know Scott. Scott did say five. So he said that several times. It, it, yeah. it had to be that something fell through. And as we're lamenting that, at least we got we got one more than Washington State. Or yeah, the Cougars yeah, did. There we go. Go, man, go. Try to look at uh, the positives. Let's close with Dave and Paul down the stretch. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Comment about the collective interview and then the schedule. Um, I think we need to do, well, we're doing a good job of it, but I think we need to make a more pronounced effort, guys, at kind of channeling. I mean, the beaver is a noble animal. I mean, truly, like horses. I think we need to do we need to do more kind of channeling the uh, the, uh, the 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 species uh, uh, Castor canadensis as our muse. You know, you can tear down a beaver dam; it'll take you all day to do it. It'll take a beaver two hours to rebuild it the next day. <laughs> right. So, no, truly, it will. It'll take you all day to unravel it, but it'll take yes. you two hours to rebuild it the next. So that's. So we just need to kind of channel our inner beaver, uh, so to speak. <laughs> so uh, as to the schedule, what happened, the Notre Dame, I don't think it was the Sun, but Notre Dame was always a reach. There was an opening on the schedule, but that's because they didn't finalize the date against Army, which will likely be played at Yankee Stadium. So that was always illusory. The fifth game out there, I maintain, was Utah. They just announced a, a, a game against Utah State today or within the last 24 hours, that was going to be the 15th. But if you think about it, guys, as Dave, or who, who, I think it was Dave, an earlier caller pointed out the difficulty, 
stop Barnes was facing. Think about it just for a second. You've got to fit the other power schools, so-called, into the month of September because they've got a conference mm-hmm. schedule right. to play right. starting, the, starting the last week of September, all the rest of the way, most likely. And so there's only so many windows. To, uh, Utah did not want to break up their conference schedule, I'm guessing, by mm-hmm. playing Oregon State there at home or here. Mm-hmm. And the thing about the Cal game, it's the second year in a row at Cal. But again, think about it. This suggests to me, I'm reading between the lines, profess it, of course, confess it. I saw what you did there with Augsburg, by the way. <laughs> I, I know what you did there. Okay. I, um, I thought, I hoped you would. So, uh, the, uh, although I'm on the other side of that well, equation, as you know. I understand but, that, but anyway, too. Uh, anyway, the Cal thing suggests that we're going to have Cal at home next year. Right. That's going to be a home and home. I Probably. Yeah. And we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to need them at home to kind of fill that power five slot with maybe another or powerful, whatever, whatever that number becomes. So I like the schedule. I, I like our schedule better, better than Washington state schedule mm-hmm. in terms of, of a competitive uh, opportunity. I'm absolutely thrilled that the Air Force Academy is on that schedule. I will be in Colorado Springs for that game come hell or high water, and even more particularly because I also think these are going to be home and homes with our Mountain West twins. So I've maintained that we're going to have Air Force in Corvallis uh, in the 2025 season. Mm-hmm. Anytime you get a service academy on your schedule, yeah. that is something to celebrate. So I like it. I see 10-11 wins here. Which, to answer a question you guys were talking about, uh, we can't afford two losses. We're probably not going to win the Oregon game, although funny things happen. We've got them at, at Corvallis. But we have a fair, to, a better than fair chance of winning the, 11, the other 11. I think an 11-1 schedule of, of win-loss t- title total puts you at least in the conversation for the last spot in the college football playoff. Just like Liberty. Just like Liberty. Dave, thank you for the call. No pressure on Trent Bray then in year one. <laughs> Just go 11 and go one. Go 11 and, and one. But you're saying, I, I don't want to, you know, Dave said, you know, would we temper expectations given Trent's uh, new neophyte status as a head coach and, um, you know, and the attrition that has occurred? Uh, uh, occur. Yours sounds like you as a fan. You're not. You're thinking, no, big things are still ahead next year. I think, well, uh, I see a path towards okay. 10 or 11 wins next yeah, year. Right. I'm not predicting that. There's a, there's a lot of – Right. Uh, and I'm glad you gave, gave me the opportunity to clarify that because uh, it's going to be difficult. And we, and we, are, we are in a rebuild. But I don't see why we shouldn't go into, enter into the, that portal thinking any less let's do as good as we can, as well as we can, and let, let's see if we can't get to 10 or 11 yeah. wins. But bottom line, I love I love the schedule, uh, and I think it bodes well not only for the short term twenty twenty four, but having Air Force and Cal mm-hmm. at home in twenty twenty five. I think that's setting up the big Boise State Air Force and UNLV. The game in Las Vegas that's good recruiting territory. Mm-hmm. The Boise State and Air Force those are name programs. They might not be in the so called power conference, right? But those are name schools with with national. Brand recognition, I think. Okay. I think the schedule is more than okay. I think Scott Barnes did as good a job as was possible. Thanks a lot, Dave. Good talking to you. Let's sneak Paul in before we wrap it up today. 
Paul, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. I just wanted to talk about Mikey Retire. Mm-hmm. Mike Retire. Right. Last year, I definitely noticed that Mike is definitely a guy who can rebound for, for not a seven-foot guy. He was always where the ball was, and he always fought for rebounds and always came up with them. Yeah. And I'm sure happy that uh, Wayne Tinkle finally figured that out and put him in the starting lineup. Well, yeah, I mean, Mike has certainly played his way into it. And, you know, just the way he's been playing, Paul, he looks like a key factor Sunday and the rest of the year. Just keep him healthy, and he's a guy that uh, is, has already shown he can do great things. I like the kid a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that last year, and I'm just happy yeah. to Thanks, Thanks a lot, Paul. Paul. Good talking to you. Uh, one quick note yeah. as we finish out final 20 seconds. Think about it must have been difficult to get a home-and-home with Cal because – they wouldn't want to give up any non-conference games on the road because they have to go uh, to the East well, Coast. True, every week. and we, you know, we we're assuming a home and home with Cal, but we don't know that for sure. True, but oh, we'll talk more about the schedule. You can study it, ponder it, play the pocket schedule game with us tomorrow. See you tomorrow.